Hey, welcome to the Hollywood Palms podcast, where a guest is given a palm reading and we discuss their past, their present, and their future. I'm your resident skeptic, Portland, and joining us today is writer, producer, philanthropist, and founder of Women of Color Unite. She's a little bit wacky. She's 100% woke. You guys, it's Cheryl Bedford. Bedford, thank you so much for being here. It is truly a delight to meet you. How's it going? It's going. It's very nice to meet the both of you, too. Thank you. Thank you. So we know you from Women of Color Unite. That's your organization that you are the founder of, which I think is truly extraordinary. Uh, So I know you were saying that sometimes it is just shortened to woke you, which, you know, who who doesn't love a nickname? It's delightful. So well, thank tell, you. Tell me a little bit. Tell all of us. Tell us what we need to know. Okay. So I tell this story. So if there are anybody listening who heard me say it again, just just wait. I'll, I'll try to get through <laughs> it really quickly. Um, so February 2018, I just threw an event. Uh, the actor Kelly Perrine let me his beautiful house in the hills. And uh, I've known Kelly for a long, long time. A lot of people would know him from the, like the Drew Carey show, one-on-one. So all I wanted to do was to get all of the women of color that I knew in one space. And they could also invite other women of color that they knew. So 50 turned into 75, 150 women of color showed up. I love that. Yes. So we had um, a sommelier who was uh, a black woman, our caterer, um, the uh, valet. And I paid for it all, all by myself through my tax return. Ah, a good use of the government's money. Exactly. So uh, your money, excuse me, it's your money. <laughs> it, was, it, it was, it was all my money. You can actually find it. Uh, Mallory Lovings actually um did a video of it okay yeah she made a video of it on youtube so you can actually go see it um and we knew so i'm not the kind of person sit around and bitch and complain about something uh i'm all about action yes ma'am so i we knew right then that we wanted to create a database of women of color above and below the line so when I love that so much. I was trying to explain to somebody the other day that it's like a registry, but it also it sounds a little bit insidious when I'm trying to explain it. Like it's a list of black women, but it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's so much more than just a list of women of color. It's a list of women of color across every, every person in the credits of every movie or TV show you've seen. It's somebody that does all those things. And I love that if people are looking to simply diversify or if they want an entire cast and crew of color that you have the resources to point them in the right direction exactly and and the funniest thing was that I I was tired of hearing I don't know any dot 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 I've been a producer now for over 30 years and I've always people look like me on the set Mm -hmm. I'm like "Mm." so that database actually came first and that database is named after my mother uh, Joan Teresa Curtis. That's why it's called the JTC list. Got it. It is the database of women of color above and below the line. 
So that day, and I'll never forget the number, 93 women signed up. And the only reason we didn't get to everybody was because Teresa Giacino, who <laughs> was a, is a friend, was our original business development strategist. And she was the person signing people up. And she's like, can I eat? <laughs> That's fantastic. So, you know, I put my friends to work at parties too. We were just saying. <laughs> exactly. And Teresa was actually working at the Mary Sue at the time and was the very first mm-hmm. person who wrote the, an article about it. And something happened. And she wrote about it in that article. There was this electricity. There, we knew that we started something. That is extraordinary. So can you tell me how many people are on your list now? Uh, over 5,500. <gasps> That's so amazing. You are blowing my mind right now. How we, cool. We went from, it was just a Google Doc. Yes. Uh, now it, it is on Airtable. It's completely filterable. So before you just had to like look for what yeah, you yeah. wanted. Now you can go in, you can type in uh, First AD, Union, New York, everybody, so it'll auto-populate. Um, so so only- this is this is not just LA, you know, Hollywood based. You are, oh, you're no, anybody no. and everyone. Oh, I love, I love it. Oh yeah. I've got goosebumps right now. You should so know. We're, we're all over the place. So by the end of 2018, we knew that we were going to become a nonprofit. And I didn't want to name the nonprofit off the JTC list because I'm like, people won't understand what that is. And that very first invitation said, women of color, dot, 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 and then in all caps, unite. So that's where the name comes from. And so we became a nonprofit by the end of 2018. And I always tell this, I got the best, worst advice or the worst, best advice okay. that I ever got was from Marva Smalls, the chief diversity officer at Viacom. And Marva said, come out standing on your own two feet, meaning don't get a fiscal sponsor. You're creating something brand new. Come out standing on your own two feet. Now, what no one told me was that I was going to go broke doing it. That's what nobody told me. Um, And there's a very specific reason why. When we created Women of Color Unite, the one thing I did not want to do was to charge my members. Mm -hmm. Because I felt that that was a way that a lot of the white female groups in Hollywood had pushed women of color to the margins. I see. Was the fact that they charge for everything. Right, right, So right. we make so much less money than they do. Why are we charged the same amount? It, it, and, it, and it really is, a, it, it's a form of gatekeeping. It's a form mm-hmm. of anti-blackness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose you could charge membership that's about 67 cents on the dollar comparatively. I could, but... If you think that that would only work if, if we were able to like save our money. And so like, you can't, I I understand what you're saying, but even if I decided that would mean what black women would be 63 cents. No, uh, no, no. Women would be 57 cents. Right. Right. Women would be 54 cents, which is actually the, I think right now the way that it is. Mm -hmm. 
also, but first you got to make it, so first you got to try to even get even, right? First you have to make up for all the damage that had been done throughout the years. So for me, so at Women of Color Unite, I don't charge my members anything ever. I say donate what you can when you can. There's also one other thing that we don't do. I don't gatekeep. So when people are like, oh my God, how can I join? I'm like, all you have to do is identify as a woman or a non-binary person of color. That's it. That's That's it. it. That's all it takes. And who can access your registry? Who can access the list? So it is not searchable online. You Mm -hmm. have to request it. Because I'm very, uh, I'm very protective of the information. So you can go to the JTCList.com. As a woman of color, you can request to join. Mm-hmm. And as a company, production company, producer, someone looking to hire, you have to request it. And here's why, because I'm just going to say this. There have been people who have requested it under... Let me just say, not true. They haven't been truthful. Uh, but then uh, you spam the membership to try to get them to buy something, join something, so oh, forth and so on. That's ugly. Um, oh yeah, but you can find me on Twitter or and Facebook and all over the place calling that shit out. Because <laughs> mm, let me tell you what we're not going to do. So the other thing is that we can then look at who's accessing it right so for instance if somebody's like i'm just gonna pick on a company just because let's just say disney off the top of my head uh let's say they're like oh we can't find any i'm like really because we sent you this database and here's who we sent it to (laughs) it's to hold people accountable because our, our industry has existed on two things really the lack of transparency and the lack of accountability Wow. Those have been two tenants that mm-hmm. our industry has run on, right? The, mm-hmm. the, plenty, oh, blah, 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 like all, all of that. So this holds them accountable and transparent. So that's how you can access it. Also, that's where you can um, join, request mm-hmm. to join. Um, so at yeah, wcunite.org. Yeah, that's the website, but to request the JTC list, and there's actually a link on WOC Unite um, as well, and so it's WOCUnite.org, and you can request it from there, but there's actually another website, the JTCList.com, because remember, JTC list actually came first, so we just kept it, so you can go to the JTCList.com and request to join. Uh, you can request the list, um, but there are also, you can also do that at WOCUnite.org. Um, yeah. Cheryl, I could listen to you talk about this all day. You are extraordinary. You are so dynamic and so eloquent. I just want to hear you talk about all the things, but we actually do have other plans for you today. Uh-oh. We- <laughs> yeah, be very afraid. We want to, not we, Quitla. This friend of mine who has the extraordinary ability of palm reading to a disturbing accuracy, he really wants to meet you. So I think we should take just a tiny break, bring him in, and we'll let's all hold hands. Well, he'll hold your hand, and I'll just probably hold my own hand. But hang on one second. I'm going to go get him. Not a problem. 
Sheila, you are not going to be able to even handle this. This is Miss Cheryl Bedford from Women of Color. Hello, Cheryl. Hello. Hi, Quitla. <laughs> I'm glad you're on our show. I can't wait to do this. So she, I, she is some kind of dynamo. I yeah. don't know if you're going to be able to handle this, okay. my friend. All right. All right. Well, I mean, there's two of us against her. So no, I'm on her side, 100. percent Ah, shoot. <laughs> Just so you know. And you know, you know, uh, producer Rob is not with us today because mm-hmm. he is out. I don't know, doing vigilante gestures or something under the guise things. of jury duty. The poor guy could not be here today. So I am uh, running the show, as it were, and. Uh, I don't exactly know how this is going to go. I don't know how he keeps us in line. Well, I mean, we'll find out. All all rules, they're off the table. Yeah, everything. Everything. (laughs) She's already cursed. (laughs) Nice. Good. We are ready to go. That's the kind of attitude I want. (laughs) Cheryl, I like to ask everybody before we get into the palm reading, have you ever done something like this before? Palm reading, tarot cards, have you ever been to like a psychic or anything like that? Or a seance? A seance? Oh, that would be a dream. Um, a seance? No, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna let dead people sleep. Uh, Copy that. That's fair. <laughs> well, wait, no, actually, I have. I actually, I, I actually have. I've done all of those. I've done all of those tarot card no. readings, palm readings. Say, yeah, it wow. dawned on me. It's been years, but sure. um, yeah, I've done, I've done it. I'm old. I'm, He's done it all. Well, I was going to say, I'm, 50, I'm 55 going on 56. Yeah, I, you know, been there, done that, have the T-shirt and the hat. Do you have, <laughs> like, any takeaways from any one of those experiences? Like, I mean, all right, look, what I'm fishing for is, like, I want to hear, like, some, some spooky shit happened. And I, like, I want to hear about that. It's okay if, like, they were all like, no, nothing really happened. It was all generic and you know, whatever. It didn't change my life. That's okay. It won't affect the palm rating here. I just like to hear about that sort of stuff. Um, so did it affect? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, look, I, I, I've always said this. I, I had an extraordinary mother. Um, she was the the right mother for me. Nice. Okay. Uh, she passed away in in uh, February of 2016. I'm very very close to my mother's side of the family because um, my parents were uh, separated and then later divorced. Oh, okay. But they were separated by the time I was a couple of months old. Oh. And my mother never remarried. So my mom and I, I always say she she was my best friend and my biggest fan. Uh, I am. De- I when people ask me who are you, I always say I'm Joan Teresa Curtis's daughter, because my mother was an activist and a statistician. So the very first time I marched, I was two. It was 1968, and I was on my mother's hip. Oh, wow. My mother marched for a woman's right to choose. Uh, my mother uh, was active in her union. She took me on picket lines. Wow. Uh, my mother said to me for as long as I can remember that I had one job as a human being on this planet that was to make the uh, world a better place for the next generation. And by doing it, I make it a better place now. And that's how I live my life. God, Queen, so, like, just make this the Cheryl Bedford yeah, hour. Yeah. We don't Forget, need to read her call. We don't. We don't need to do that anymore. I want to just hear more about you. But, I want to uh, hear all about your life because yeah. you are 
extraordinary. Uh, okay. Well, thank thank I'll you. I'll be the but bad I, guy I say that here. To say, <laughs> whenever somebody, whenever there's something sort of, let's say, mystical, otherworldly, people mm-hmm. are always like, your mother's around. I'm like, yeah, I know. Ah, uh, okay. I, I, okay. I, I know. I, I, yeah, I definitely like to hear about that stuff. Uh, only because I'm just super curious about it. Uh, we're going to do the palm reading now for you. Uh, as you come to find out, it's not, it's not very spiritual or like, you know, crystals and I'm not calling on the spirits to divine anything. I walk you through the palm reading process along with me. And I try to point out, like, this this is why I'm interpreting it, because of this line and how this line looks and whatnot. Of course, you'll see. But uh, I, I like to pride myself that it's the palm reading style I do is not, in fact, mystical. Uh, and yet it's still sometimes really kind of weird when very specific things come up in a palm reading uh, in another uh, podcast of ours. An- another guest pointed out, like, Perhaps some of the palm reading things I say could be generic and could be applied to everyone, but I also say very specific things that I don't say to everybody. Like for you, I'm sure there'll be some interpretations and some details uh, that will come up that I, I don't say for every palm reading because it's actually unique to each palm. And I can't explain why that is. Uh, no, and, because it's yeah. all nonsense. It's but all nonsense, yeah. He read my palm at a party many, many, many years ago, in like 1842 approximately. Yeah. And there were things that he said that were super specific that he could not have known. And I won't say that this was, you know, before the internet or that he couldn't have somehow <laughs> researched it. But it was like when we met. So yeah. he clearly didn't know, but he knew. And uh, I've never forgiven him. He made me cry at a New Year's Eve party. And from the specificity. So I am really. I ruined um, New Year's. Yeah. You did. That's what I told you. You ruined New Year's. Thanks. Oh, thanks for nothing. Okay. Well, well, let me just say this, though, yeah. when you when you when you're talking about that. So, you know, that chattel slavery actually changed the DNA of no, those enslaved. Africans, I did not know right? that. No. Yes. It actually changed our DNA. So when people are like, oh, it's, it's very specific. And I like to use that example is that, of course, because idea, it's just going to end up all over us, right? Who we are, our experiences and, and the experiences of our ancestors mm-hmm. literally live inside of us. So they can change the DNA. Yeah, it can show up on my palm. Okay. My my life experiences can sh- like it, it's the way that it manifests. Again, itself. I I want to campaign one more time for just having Miss Bedford talk to us for the next hour and just teach us things. Welcome to the Cheryl Bedford podcast. My name is Quitla, and we're talking with Cheryl Bedford. <laughs> we are listening to Miss Cheryl listening. Bedford. We don't need to talk. Listening and taking notes. Yeah. Oh my oh, gosh. Okay. All there's right. one All last right. thing. Okay. Um, that I'm going to say before we get started. No, okay. this is really, really important. And I say it on every podcast, every interview I ever do, because this needs to change. Okay. Women and girl of color run nonprofits in the United States of America only receive 0.5% of all grant and foundation money. 
donate. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I don't oh. care whether it's us, if you are involved in Hollywood and want to see a change, there's us. There's Women of Color Filmmakers. There's Chicano Directors Initiative. Uh, there's Justice for My Sister Collective. Um, or if, it, if your passion is healthcare, if your passion are the homeless, if, whatever your passion is, please donate to women and girl of color run nonprofits. And because of that intersectionality of racism and sexism, because think about it, we're 20% of the population and we get 0.5% of all grant and foundation money. And it was a report that came out in July of 2020. It's called Pocket Change. So people can absolutely look it, look it up. Wow. And it, it talks about the fact that we are expected to even do more with less, with mm-hmm. much, much less. And we do. So that's one thing that I wanted to say because I'm such an advocate for all nonprofits. And look, we 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 don't have any money. I'm just being honest, right? Um, we existed for two and a half years on my credit cards. I went broke. Wow. You know, so my entire staff are all volunteers. And the fact that we were we have been able to get two thousand women of color, two mentors each in the US, Canada and the UK in two years, which has led wow. to people getting hired, projects funded, content distributed on no money. My goodness. Can you what imagine? are we doing? Right. What are we so doing anyway? Yeah. I, I just wanted to say that because I get that thrown in to every because I, I, I we need to change. Well we'll make that. time we'll that make time awesome. for that. Absolutely. And can you imagine? I am, I'm ready. I'm ready. Quila, yeah. I need you to take over because I am okay. Okay. I am out of superlatives right. to describe Miss Bedford. I just need to sit back and watch you do your I thing. I will rein us in. <laughs> it's time for the palm reading now, Cheryl. Okay. Uh, we'll okay. take a look at your hand here. Okay. Uh, so uh, you're 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 right-handed, as as we've established. Yes. I uh, the my style of palm reading uh, generally goes with the dominant hand. Uh, sometimes people ask, like, well, what if I'm ambidextrous or something like that? And it, everyone still has a dominant hand. Like, there's still a preferred hand to write with or whatever. Uh, and so that's that's the hand I read with. Some style. I bring it up because some styles of palm reading read, in fact, both hands uh, and and come to different results or whatever. I think that's just so that you have both hands on the table and then somebody can be going through your stuff behind you without you knowing. I never considered that because there is, a you know, always a strong uh, scam <laughs> component to any fortune telling. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I believe that. Uh, Cheryl, if you were here with me, we would be going through your stuff right now. So... <laughs> So that, I mean, we've that's already still got there. your we've yeah. already got your mother's uh, your mother's maiden name. So right, we're just so. we're getting closer and closer to stealing yeah. your identity. <laughs> just the yeah, it's okay. I don't and... use it for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I named I, I, huh. I, I named an entire database yeah. after her. Yeah, but... So whenever they're like, "Oh, use your mother's maiden name," I'm like, "Oh, you have got to be out of your mind." <laughs> <laughs> I use it for nothing. <laughs> So we'll we'll try to keep the scam part of all of this like tamp tamp down. But uh, okay, Please. so what I I read on your palm are the four major lines on your palm. Uh, I'll go through them here. We're gonna go through everything in painstaking detail. I assure you. So uh, just to review real fast, though, we go and read your lifeline, your fate line, your headline, and your heart line. 
So those are the four major lines we're going to go through on your poem. Uh, we'll now, are we going to are we going to talk about that cute little freckle right in the middle? I mean, we might if it comes up. Sometimes that matters. Sometimes nothing's connected to it, and it won't be a thing. So I don't. know. Yeah, it's not a freckle. We'll it's a, I I work out five days. A, I lost over a hundred pounds. Okay, now that, wow, that, nice. congratulations. What you? Well, now hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, excellent. Those are. <laughs> now, now I have to disagree. You did not lose what because lose implies wanting to find. So I feel like you chased away 100 pounds. You you uh, like got ri- you <laughs> you decided to get rid of 100 pounds. You donated it to uh, to the ether to the elsewhere, but you did mm-hmm. not lose it because I don't think you intend to locate it. Uh, oh no! During the pandemic, I found it again. Like some of it. <laughs> like let's just be honest. Oh, there it is. But yeah. that, that's what those. <laughs> and it's so funny when I took the pictures. I was like, oh, there are my three or four calluses. And I wear gloves, but I work out a lot. So, yes, but that's what that is. So, go ahead, read my calluses if you want. Right. I mean, we will. <laughs> that one says kettlebell, and that one says deadlifting. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Uh, okay, we're going to start with your lifeline, which is the line okay. that starts between your thumb and index finger, and it curves around your thumb pad like so. Uh, mm-hmm. What I immediately look for uh, two things on the lifeline. I like to see a nice, smooth, round curve all the way through the entire line. I don't like to see it flatten or plateau out or anything. Uh, and yours looks pretty pretty curvy all the way through. The second thing I look for is a break in that lifeline. And so mm-hmm. for you, that jumps out immediately that there is a, a sizable uh, interruption in your lifeline. So it continues here and it sort of fades out. And then a it, it continues in another spot. It picks up again and continues. So this part is what I would consider to be a break. So first of all, the lifeline has nothing to do with how long you live. It is more about how good you are at making yourself happy. Your capacity to make yourself happy doesn't, of course, mean that you will be happy. But, you know, given given a dime or a dollar, you would know the things that you could acquire that would give you happiness or satisfaction in your life. It's about the quality. So why don't we call it the quality of lifeline? Uh, because I, I don't know. I'll, I'll bring it up to the, uh, the union of palm readers. Oh, the... <laughs> Sorry, carry on. The quality I, of lifeline. Because that's a mouthful to say, and I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna adopt that. Uh, you're right. You're right. You're known to be a man of few words. Right. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. Uh, okay. So. I, like I said, you have a nice smooth curve in uh, most of your lifeline. Uh, the break itself then represents a moment in your life uh, that you have to put your own, you have to set aside your own happiness. You have to address something that happens in your life, essentially putting your life on hold to deal with whatever that situation is. Uh, a bro- broadly, we would call that term some point of chaos in your life. I think that's overly dramatic. The example I always give then is uh, uh, either like winning the lotto or going into a coma. Those are extreme examples, but the point being it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just that it's something that happens and you have to put your life on hold to address it. That's essentially how that uh, that symbol, what that symbol represents on you. It occurs, I would say, in the bottom half of your lifeline. So this is something that's 
in your future, according to your poem. This is something that hasn't happened yet. And there are a lot of lines associated with your, with the break in your lifeline um, that we're going to have to, I will have to work hard to deduce what all of these lines are. It's a lot of information all associated with sort of an event in your life. We have seen a lot of poems, and I got to say, yours is saying a lot. Isn't it, right? There's a lot of information here, and it's all in places, I'll I'll say it's unusual. Like, there are unusual lines in your poem and information going on here. Uh, So, knowing how old you are, I think that puts us probably right about here, as far as the timeline of the lifeline. So, prior to that, uh, what I noticed first then is that usually the lifeline starts out intersected with this other line called the headline. Usually they're intertwined. There's like a barbed wire or a chain link pattern uh, where they intersect. Your lines aren't like that. There is no intersection between your head and your lifeline. What that implies is the separation of the lines usually suggests that's the point where childhood was set aside and adulthood began and it's usually a transition it's usually a gradual separation for you there was never any overlap so i mean first of all i guess it would suggest that you were as a as a young person you were very headstrong um perhaps rebellious of in some way against something we'll maybe get into that a little bit later but the point being uh there was no transition for you into adulthood you were apparently expected to be very mature or handle very mature information right away from the get-go or you perhaps were exposed to things that kind of brought you out of childhood naivete or something like that uh and there was no there was no transition for you. Um, what's kind of Can interesting? Can I interrupt? Absolutely. Please. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. There is a very specific reason for it, oh. except you're reading it the opposite way. Oh. Okay. Um. I, I I'm very. I'm, oh. Wow. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I have I have told this story once before in an in an interview. Okay. Once. Um, and my friends all know this and my family knows this. So here's the thing. I remember before I was born. Wow. Okay. Okay. I remember before I was born. Um, so, and, and here's how I know it's, it's true. I'm sure your audience is going to go. She's crazy. No, I'm not. So there there was a picture, there was a picture of my mother. Um, in grade school. And when I was about two, so I started talking, I I was actually saying my first word by the time I was two months old. So, um, I, when I was about two, but somewhere between two and four, I, there, I saw a picture of my mother and I, it was in black and white and I described it in color. Nobody had ever told me my mother kind of looks at me and she's, she's like, how do you know what color my uniform was? Um, working, my family's oh. Catholic. And 
I said, because I, I picked you. And my mother oh, said, my what? I, I picked my mother. So I remember, this is not a lie. I, I, I remember looking down on her. So people call it heaven, whatever. Basically, yeah. I was looking down. And God said to me, one of these little girls can be your mother. Pick one. I picked my mother. Wow. And you picked the right um, one. Yeah. You chose I, and I picked my mother. And my mother asked me, and of course, like th this, this is a conversation that we had really from the time I was very, very young up until like you, complete sentences, like cognitive, <laughs> all of that. So mm -hmm. probably till I was about six, like my mother kept pulling information from me. Mm -hmm. And so, so by the time I was six, I could explain it in detail. And I told her, I, I, and to this day, I remember, it's not something that ever left me. And I remember being up in heaven when people are like, God, male or female, the only way that I can describe it is pure love, like love in its purest form. And God said to me, not male, not female, just this pure love, mm. pick her. And uh, like, I, for instance, I knew that it was a um, dirt playground, right? Because mm -hmm. by the time I was, uh, I came along, playgrounds were concrete. So I, I described it and I described her and she said, why me? And I said, there was just something about you that, that, uh -huh. that, Almost, um, I don't want to say a sadness, but a melancholy. Like she had so much going on mm -hmm. behind that childhood smile, behind running wow. around. Like I knew that she could see other things, even as a little girl. That that almost made her melancholy to mm -hmm. a certain extent, and so that that's why. And I, so I picked my mother. So when you're like the separation between childhood, but I can all, I could always remember. I understand. I, can, I, can I understand now. And, and I love, I love this collaboration between us while we're reading your poem. I, I, I then, I, I mean, of course I agree with, with what your interpretation is, is saying. What I was seeing as like no childhood was just in fact that you sort of, you have a life before childhood or whatever like that and the fact that you were conscious or aware of it happening uh that would of course explain why your headline and your lifeline are kind of detached that's i i mean i feel comfortable saying like that's not normal <laughs> that's why i would <laughs> normally see those lines intertwined you had a completely separate process and that's mm -hmm. what it looks like on your poem that's fascinating. Okay, okay, okay. So the next thing that I'm seeing on, on your lifeline are, as opposed to uh, the last few lines that I've just read personally, had a lot of uh, tiny thread-like lines that extended out from the thumb into the, the palm itself. Uh, usually those lines are all like kind of shooting at the lifeline. Those are generally the thumb pad itself is generally family or expectations or responsibilities that are put upon you uh, 
that's what that area represents. You don't have a myriad of lines shooting out from your thumb pad. There's like a half a dozen distinct lines that happen uh, on your palm. Um, some of them are very early. I mean, one starts at the very front of your lifeline and connects to your headline. I think we've already established why you would have some kind of lines like that. That would be that pre-knowledge that you'd have before even, you know, existing as a person. Uh, That line comes from off your palm, connects to your lifeline, again, at the very start of it, and then keeps going and connects to your headline. That's why I come up with that. I support that interpretation that you had knowledge prior to existing, essentially. Uh, fascinating. I'm going to remember that forever. Go. You've been extraordinary since go. You've been extraordinary yes, since yes. before go. Uh, okay. this, is, this is a surprise. It is. Not that they're extraordinary. This, the way it's showing completely on your hand like that is a surprise. Another line very similar to that, again, very early on your lifeline, connects just your lifeline to your headline and then keeps going to your heartline. Again, I'll go into the heartline later, but this connection here then would imply very early on someone made a, an, an emotional connection with you and also... Um, formed the framework, the structure of how you process and how you see information from that point forward. This would have been very early on. Uh, so I, I imagine this has got to be someone like your mother, for example, someone who helped formulate the way you see the world and the way you interact with information and data and whatnot. Uh, that, that's got to be that. Again, that line... Um, it doesn't start in your thumb pad, but it originates pointing at it and continues past your headline and your heartline. So I think all of that completely matches up with what you were saying. So I move a little further down, uh, and now we're getting closer and closer to that unusual break in your lifeline. There's uh, another uh, three or four deeply cut lines that come one after another back to back, they cross over your lifeline and connect directly to your fate line. Where they're connecting to your fate line, there's also multiple fate lines sort of vying for attention there. I'll get into the fate lines next. But what those lines generally represent is some kind of responsibility or burden that you're taking upon yourself. These lines are coming from your thumb pad, so it's probably something family-related, Was there something that sounds familiar to you where you would have had, you would have to have taken on some kind of responsibility or burden and it would have occurred one after another, probably four, maybe five times spaced out regularly. And so this is the thing that I think is going to be like the the biggest um, identifier for you is that whatever this burden that you had to take, it was spaced out in regular intervals. How far apart? If I were to take your lifeline at face value, I mean, I think it would be like at least five years apart, four to six years apart in regular intervals. Does that ring true for you? Is there something that comes to mind where you would have had to have taken 
responsibility for something family related repeatedly and in like kind of regular intervals. Uh, yeah, my mother came down with COPD, chronic obstruction pulmonary disease. She smoked. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, for years. So yeah, that's around the time that uh, she needed help, right? So she mm-hmm. she would get to a certain point, I'd help her, she'd be able to, then she'd get a little worse, so forth and so on. So okay. that's what it sounds like to me. If I, If it's the age, it's either that or taking on the responsibility of the JTC list and forming women of color unite. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't think it's that only, only because of where these lines originate from, from the thumb pad, which would be, it would definitely be more family related. Your fate line would talk more about like career and like your path in life. And again, we'll get into that, but I, I think your first instinct was this was taking care of your mom Generally, yeah. generally, I go with like whatever your first instinct is, whatever the thing that jumps out at you, that's probably the thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, and indicating that it was kind of cyclical as well. Right. Yeah, because okay. she would, you know, there there was a period of time where she went into the hospital and they told me that she wasn't going to make it. Mm-hmm. And actually, I realized that the medication they were giving her was actually what was making her sicker. Oh, wow. And that's not a joke. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. I've told that story. When it comes to the health care, especially of Black people, yeah. that okay. the dismissal of it, like, I literally had a doctor try to curse me out and ask you, except I was fighting for my mother, so I yelled even louder, yeah. and, and my my curse words went on a lot longer. So I, I, I made them pull out all of the medications, slowly reintroduce them, figured out which one, this is, this, <laughs> figured out which one they were basically overdosing her with, which mm-hmm. was Solimedrol. Oh, and so they ended up cutting it. And what a lot of people don't know is that all medications are based on white men, approximately right. five foot 10 and 180 right. pounds. The My dosages, the dosages of them, and right. about 125 pounds. Yeah, they were actually killing her with the medication that, and they were content to let. They're like, "Oh, she's an end stage lung disease." Blah blah blah. I, they tried to kick me out of the room. I slept on the floor. They took out the chair. That that's not a joke. Like I slept yeah, yeah. on the. I was gonna be goddamned if I was gonna let them kill my mother. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. I did that. When they cut the medication, my mother was out of ICU in 48 hours and home in like seven. Get out. Wow. Not a joke. That kind uh-huh. of My mother lived for another six years after that. Wow. Wow. Uh-huh. I, I mean. No. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did it, of course. But like, that's also like, did you hear it? Like, that's bullshit, of course. Not, not, it's bullshit that it happened. <laughs> you, you know, uh, uh, I wish it didn't happen that way. Uh um, but that's what that is. That's, yeah, that's okay. me constantly fighting with doctors. Um, mm. And and I will say, let me let me just I, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to Cedar Sinai. Do it. Uh, that was before. <laughs> no, that was one of the reasons it made me change, made us change from one basically group of doctors to Cedar Sinai. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That that's what made me do it, and because I was like, oh, we're never going through this again. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so continue. I know you want to keep reading her so, poem, oh, but I can't. Oh, I, all right. no, I feel like 
No, no, I feel like any prompt that we give her, she's like, I have three stories. One's going to blow your mind. The second one you're going to pass out from. And the third one is just going to make you wet your pants. And I'm like, please tell me all of them. Yeah. Tell me all the stories. You want to hear them all the time. I do. I'm the nosiest person you'll ever be. I love talking to strangers, but I love even more strangers talking to me. I want to know all your stories. We have some more here. We'll have some more here. Okay. Uh, okay. So moving then further down your lifeline, essentially the next like event recorded on your lifeline is the break in the line. So uh, it, it's it. I'm, I'm going to say that's the largest break I have ever seen on somebody's lifeline. I'm. Well, that's when she had landed on the moon and was actually colonizing right, another right. planet. Real quick. Uh, yeah. And then wrestled yeah. a star into, yeah. Like her yeah, so when she yeah. that, Oh, that, <laughs> that is when she punched a shark and, <laughs> and rescued a kitten at the same time. Yeah. That's what happened there. See, you, you say it has yet to come. I think Correct. I'm in the middle of it. Okay. I, I yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's women of color unite. I think it is going broke. I think it is fighting every day. I think it is uh, the fact that my career has taken a hit from calling out all of the, the isms like my, no, my, Ooh, I tell the story where I called out some stuff and I won't go into it. Uh, <laughs> July 2020, because you guys don't necessarily want to hear it. Uh, I do. Well, I mean. <laughs> Whatever the story is, I, I, I I've said it before. No, no, no. I, 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 call, I called out some bullshit. And nice. uh, that was January of 2020. Mm-hmm. And every job I had lined up as a line producer uh, went away. Because of that. Every job. I mean, yeah, like yeah, I, yeah, it's yeah, okay. very. People want to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, and belonging, but you know they want to pick my brain when it comes to all of this. But what they don't want to do is have me in their company because they're like, "She's gonna make us do it every day." Yeah, right, I right. fucking will. Right. So um, that that it's that it's keeping me and woke you above water. It's sticking to my authenticity. It's me calling calling it out and it is taking a career hit a financial hit all of that all of the time cheryl you are better at this than i am palm reading for sure i can She's better at all of I this can, than we are i can take your your <laughs> interpretation of your own palm and i i see i see lines that support your interpretation i mean of course you would know better than me. I'm just, you know, a scam artist here, uh, you know, reading lines on a poem. So I, I but I, I freely admit, I think your interpretation is right. We're, we're going to, I will show you why I think that also, that I'm not just agreeing with you because I want to, I, you know, I, I want to, I want to be right all the time. And, <laughs> and in this case, I don't think I am. I don't, I think my interpretation I, I think I'm off by a few key, like, years or details. Let me tell you why. So your lifeline stops, uh, and then it starts up again here. Where it starts up again, super unusual, it starts up over here, which is essentially in a couple of tangle of lines that is your fate line. So the the thing that you you had to put your life on hold, you had to stop your own mm-hmm. happiness or at least set aside your quality of life for a path that you chose to follow, that path being the fate line. Uh, so, okay, so your lifeline continues. It starts back where the fate line is supposed to be. In addition to that, 
where the break is in your lifeline. There's a line here that connects your headline and your heart line and just it rockets off your palm in a way I've never seen before. It is also starting on the fate line. The fate line, again, is supposed to follow the middle of your palm. It starts from your wrist and goes up. And you do indeed have a fate line here, which also crosses your head and your heart line. Uh, I'll get into that in a moment. There's so much information here. But the we're still on the break in your lifeline. And there is a secondary fate line that that is in the very center of the break, your interpretation seems like it's correct that you chose to set aside your happiness. You made sacrifices left and right to your quality of life to follow a path. And that path is probably your organization. I mean, it was the thing that jumped out at you. Like I said, usually the first instinct is the thing. Uh, What's then now fascinating to me is why you have multiple fate lines on your palm and that they're all pointing, they all intersect, they're all interrelated, but they're all completely separate paths for you that are all getting the same amount of attention from you, the same amount of energy or effort put into them, but they're, they end up at different parts of your palm, meaning that they're satisfying different, facets of you um fascinating to me so we're moving on to your fate line here like i said it's running up the center of your uh palm i don't see much like chaos or wasted energy in any of your three fate lines the one danger as your official palm reader unlicensed as your official palm reader, <laughs> uh, the, the advice here would be that you have to be very, very careful that you are not spreading yourself too thin. Mm-hmm. You have three intact fate lines on your palm. People, like, it would be normal for one. Most people probably have, like, a stunted, shorter fate line or whatever. You have three active, ongoing fate lines. They cross your head and your heart line, meaning that fate would satisfy your passion and your intellect, your creativity and anything like intellectual for you. It's already unusual that a fate line would cross both of those lines. You have essentially three of them that do it. The advice here, the danger is uh, that you would be spreading yourself too thin. Uh, how, How do you feel about that alone? Does that like... Do you think that you're close to a breaking point? Do you feel like you're you're using all your available energy and not focusing on your own happiness? That's kind of what your palm looks like right now. Because even your fate line is an overachiever, I think is what he's saying. Yeah, yes, yeah. So here's the thing, uh, and I've said this before, I, I, I always wanted, like, I've known what I wanted to do since I was eight years old, and I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, clearly, to... yes. Yeah, and, and I am. Like, I, I went to see a little night music on Broadway, and I saw Glennis Johns sing Send in the Clouds, and it was the way that audience felt, and I said, Mom, I want to do that, meaning that I wanted to make people feel, Yeah. right? Like, I wanted to make audiences feel. 
but as I tell people, but my mother was an activist. The very first time she, she well, not that it actually wasn't the very first time she marched, but she did march at the original march oh, <laughs> uh, wow. on Washington. My, wow. my, with her two older brothers, my uncle Tony has also passed away, but the oldest is my uncle Thomas. He's a retired judge in Baltimore, Maryland. He also helped to pass the Americans with Disabilities Act. His youngest son, my cousin, is disabled. So activism has always been a part because my grandparents wanted to know what their children were up to. Their their group met at my grandparents' house. When my, my uncle Tony and my uncle Thomas were arrested, my grandparents put up the deed to their house to get wow. their sons out of jail for, for um, one particular sit-in. So when... I, it's in my DNA. I, I always said that I, I I feel like I was destined to start the JTC list and Women of Color Unite. Like I couldn't have gotten mm-hmm. away from it if I tried. Hmm. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. like I I, I I was destined to do it. What I can say is that you are absolutely right. It's one of the reasons why I started working out, and one of the reasons I work out five days a week, and it is to keep my sanity. It mm-hmm. is my therapy. It is my self-care. It is so I don't cut a bitch. It's all of that. And I'm also, I, I don't know if you can tell, I am extremely self-aware. What? Uh, that that actually comes from my mother because my mother would say to me, this is why I always tell people I'm Joan Teresa Curtis's daughter, right? My mother would yeah. say, you can lie to other people. Don't ever lie to yourself. She said, do not lie to yourself because when you lie to yourself, you actually hand over your power to other people. So the one thing I don't do is I don't lie to myself. I am very reflective. Cheryl, then I got, yeah. I, I got a hard question for you then based on your poem. Sure. Is the working out... Are we out, still reading all uh, we're, we're still doing it. The, uh, I'm under her spell. <laughs> is it the working out, <clears throat> anything else maybe you have going on that's kind of for you to maintain is is that working for you or are you using all of your available energy to keep all of those plates spinning in the air? That's, I just recently I, honestly the inter- is it working? No. Here here's okay. here's the interesting okay. thing that I just told my uh assistant. I I said, okay, um I'm no so our business development strategist now, Mananda Reaper, um, she's actually in uh, the Netherlands. She's going to be moving back to the U.S., but she's originally from the Netherlands. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to work with Manon on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I said, and then I'm going to work on other stuff, personal stuff, things like that. Uh, you know, and then I said to my assistant, so make Zooms. Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday. And I was like, no, I don't want them on Mondays. And then I went, you know what? I don't really want them on Fridays. I said, just Wednesdays. And what you're talking about, about about a month ago, like I had a break. Like I I, just, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Oh. Like I need, I need, and so I took time off. Here's the thing about me is that, uh, first of all, I'm not afraid to ask for help when I need it. Good. It's part of being self-aware, right? Right, right. It's like, hey, I need some help. Um, And I'm not afraid to just go, no. 
just no. My I had my assistant cancel at practically every meeting unless it was something that was going to bring in money to woke you or me. I was like, nope, not doing it because I, I don't have the energy. Mm. Like I, so the one thing about me is that you're absolutely right. I think the reason that there are three is because of the fact that I am so self-aware and I start to act in ways that I don't particularly like. I'm like, that's enough. I'm going to shut it. Okay. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to shut myself down. I told everybody, take a few days off. Like, I, I'm very, and I know, because here's the thing about running a nonprofit, okay. especially when I have the 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 weight of over 5,000, you know, 5,500 plus members, mm. is that I I get having somebody pour back into me and I realized last month that I was like, I need somebody to pour back into me. Like I can't keep giving and giving and giving, but the responsibility of running this particular nonprofit means that sometimes that's just not going to happen. And I have to be very aware of that. And so what I realized was that I don't necessarily need somebody to pour back. What I need is a rest, right? Like I need, if somebody's not pouring back, then what I need is I need that rest. So I, I just stop because it's okay. It's okay to just stop, breathe, take the, the it, it's going to continue, right? Not, woke you will not fall apart. If I take two to three days off, woke you will not fall apart. If I say to people, hey, y'all, I, I need them. I need a minute. And here's the thing. When my assistant canceled all of those sort of uh, other meetings and people were like, let me take you to dinner. Let me take you to lunch. Like I didn't have the energy to drive. And you know what happened? They were all like, um, hit us up when when you, you're okay. It was like, okay for you to do that. It was right. okay. Right. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to shut down when you are constantly pouring into other people. When you're constantly fighting, it's okay to go, you know what? I don't have the energy today. It's okay. It's more than Self-aware. okay. Self-aware. It's more than okay. What I'm seeing on your palm, Cheryl, is that I, I, I like everything you're saying. I, I as your official palm reader, I, I don't have any problem with with any of the the mechanisms that you are either have in place or that you're sort of realizing it's okay to you know to, to take a rest, to say no, all of that. According to your palm, all of that is still about maintaining. Uh, like your impossible level of uh, energy, the the energy you have to spend on all of these things, personal energy, uh, all of your mechanisms built in here is about maintaining what you're currently doing. Mm -hmm. According to your poem, the one factor that you're not, maybe not accounting for or not... uh, not budgeting for as far as personal energy appears to be your personal happiness. I understand that there's, according to your poem, all sorts of 
satisfaction uh, and pride and whatnot for the things that you have accomplished and, you know, your long-term goals, all of that. All of that is is clearly written on your palm. The one thing, though, that is the only point of chaos in your palm is that break in your lifeline. And and the the line itself doesn't look like it's, you know, like coming back together, lines can change, by the way, on, on the palms. These mm-hmm. things aren't written in stone, but the way your lifeline is shaped, it's like it's perpetually not allowed to connect. You are, a, and, and it sounds like this is the case from what you are describing to us. You are, for obvious reasons, kind of not allowing yourself some happiness for something. Perhaps you're being too hard on yourself, too demanding. I mean, that feels like that's kind of an obvious thing to say. <laughs> uh, but there's still some component that uh, some measure of comfort that you feel apparently feel like would be frivolous to allow yourself that happiness. Uh, let's say you, you know, you love uh, pet rabbits and you're like, I don't have time to take care of a pet rabbit, even though like having a rabbit and petting it and, you know, taking care of it or whatever would give you another point of satisfaction that isn't career driven, that isn't goal driven. It's more about just being happy. Uh, And again, not being happy with yourself. It's usually like a quality of life thing. Like I said, like you, it may be that you'd be super happy with, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, please. No, so I'm going to flip the script. I I think maybe. I see what's happening here. I know. I think (laughs) you read for people who take a lot of happiness in being mundane. I think that our society, um, a lot of it has to do with social media because of the change. See, I I take happiness. Here's the funniest thing. Whenever anybody asks me, where do you see your career in five years? I have always had the same answer. Happy. People are like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? And I was like, all I care about is being happy. Like wherever my life takes me, as long as I'm happy, I'm good. But there's one thing. And again, it's something my mother said there are so there, I don't know if you guys remember the old show Donahue mm-hmm. and I, and I remember watching it as a kid with my mother and they were talking about the reason that alcoholics never have a problem getting a significant other and it had to do with the fact of passion like we think of passion is this up and down this roller coaster sure, volatile forget, yeah yeah but we forget that the Latin derivative of passion is pain, right? The passion of the Christ. Passion means the pain of the Christ. Like we forget that. And my mother said that people really need to understand about taking pleasure in the mundane. So when, when I think that that's it, because I find it really interesting because I'm all about happiness. I just know how to take pleasure in the mundane. I know how to take pleasure. Like one of my favorite things, I know it's going to sound weird, is <laughs> doing my laundry. Like, no, I, 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 yeah, I can like, feel that. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that there is this idea that somehow happiness is this thing that we, I, I, I think I, I take happiness in walking around outside. I take happiness and especially after the pandemic, mm-hmm. I, 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 
take happiness in the mundane. And I think that there are way too many people who think of happiness as this big thing, right? Like this makes me happy or this makes me happy. Life makes me happy. Just like people think of thing of happiness as something that you strive for, not yes. that you can currently have. And I just, but, I mean, that's it, it where probably, I live. honestly, Cheryl, it would probably would make me happy if somebody did my laundry. <laughs> so <laughs> if that would fulfill you in some way, then like, let's talk. I, I know it's just a thing. Like you, you do all of this, and it's like mm, clean clothes, love clean clothes. Uh, you know, there's nothing like getting in to do those sheets right after they get out of the dryer. The uh, like, mm. uh, but that, like, that's the kind of thing that I take happiness in the fact that I, tur- I at my heaviest, I was 315 pounds, and I turned my body into an athlete. Mm-hmm. Like I, those are the things that I take happiness in. So, I mean, okay. I, I don't really see it. I think that. That's okay. That's I okay. I think I'm right and everybody else is wrong. That's, yeah. Wrong. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, and, and yeah, that's, there, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, I, I, I very well could be wrong as, uh, as confident as you are about it. I'm going to stick to my guns as well, but we're going to, you know, whatever. I don't want to go we'll in, in a circle on. about it. We're going to move on. Guys, I, I mean, fight. you can justify, <laughs> you can, you have justified why you think that interpretation is wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, okay. So we talked about your three fate lines. So unusual. Uh, and the fact that they cross your head and your heart line. Um, the only other thing then with your fate line um, one, two, three. Yeah. Okay. So three. So the only well, one thing about it then is one of your fate lines, which is the one I'm going to call it the prime fate line. It's the one that's exactly where it's supposed to be right here. Um, it's sort of stops at your headline. Uh, whereas the other two continue onward. Um, a fate line that stops at one of those lines, particularly the headline, would imply that that particular path that you're following, um, you're following, again, more out of obligation versus, or, or there's something mental or brain-related or information or data-related about that path that you're following uh, that is stopping you from achieving an extra level of satisfaction with it. This, the main path for you, um, for some reason, you're you're in your mind about it. There's something that you are not, uh, you're not, uh, like you'd be waiting for a sign or you're waiting for the numbers to look right or you're waiting for something to come your way as far as this one particular path. Uh, and for whatever reason, that like waiting for the data, waiting for the numbers to be right, is keeping you like in a holding pattern. It is essentially a stalling tactic uh, that you're waiting for all your ducks to be in a row, whatever the analogy that you want to use uh, for one of those three paths, I'm not certain now that that interpretation applies to you. Uh, unless, un, un, 
I guess I'll just ask, is there, I don't know the exact three fates that you have going on because you have so much going on on your poem. The, your life. Yeah. The, the, is there a path usually again, like career related or it's something goal related. Is there something major in your major in your life that you're waiting on to like go to another level that you're waiting, like I said, for your ducks to be in a row. You're waiting for some kind of a number situation to work out in your favor. Is there something like that going on in your life? This isn't necessarily bad, by the way. It's just the one other thing I noticed where two of your fate lines shoot off your palm like missiles. The one fate line is the only one that sort of stops cold at your heart line. And so I'm just wondering if you can identify that in your life. The only... The only thing that I can think of is the fact that woke you has no money and I'm constantly screaming. Oh, the money situation. Oh, okay. Right. It it actually doesn't stop us. The problem is it definitely affects it. Like, Uh, how can I put this? Um, mm, Here's what I can say. Okay. Because I can't pay my staff, I am hesitant to ask them to put in any more work than they already do. No, like they they work like Manon Reaper works her fingers to the bone. Like, so it, I, I, there, and I tell people this, it's, it's a balance between everything that I want to do for Woke You, but I can't do it by myself. Yeah. The fact that we have been able to do everything we have been able to do on no money is fucking amazing. It's the sweat equity of women of color and our co-conspirators. Yeah, I don't say allies because you got to practice your allyship every day to be a co-conspirator. Sure. So, um, actually, that comes from Delany Peace. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. The wokest white woman I know. Um, And so it's, it's difficult for me to ask those who give so much to give any more. Got it. So that's what that is. It's yeah. not it's not the fact that we can't do it or or all of it. It's the fact that I I I know when when I'm burning myself out, but I also know when I'm beginning to burn other people out. Do you not trust other people to be able to say no in the same way that you can? Um, can I, do you, uh, no, no, let me just say this, and this is not an ego thing, but do you want to disappoint me? No, ma'am. I don't. That, that, okay. That, my, they, they, they do not want to disappoint me. So you need to use your, your Jedi mind powers for good and not for evil. Uh, and here's the thing. There are, there are times when I'm wrong. Um, when I was burnt out, I woke up and Manon had taken so much off of my plate. And she said, sometimes there's nothing to do. There's nothing to say, but to do. Um, so yeah, sometimes like I'm, I'm wrong. (laughs) I I admit it. Nobody, nobody, nobody tells you how to be the leader of a grassroots movement. Nope. There is no organization like us. 
there there was no one to to guide me. There was no one. So I I, I admit when I'm wrong, but I still can't help that feeling of am I asking too much? Because and and I have had my staff say I d- the idea of disappointing you, the idea of falling short of your expectations. So yes. Um, and to a certain yeah. extent, it's a love fest. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm trying to take <laughs> care of them. They're trying to take care of, of me. Um, but I, I hope to continue. And I hope that money comes real, 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 real soon. Because uh, should I actually be able to pay them and myself and give everybody health care and maybe have a brick and mortar? Ooh, there will be no stopping us. Nice. I, I'm fascinated by this then. I, I, at first, I called it a stalling tactic that you were waiting for numbers or data or whatever, because that's usually how it shows up for other people. You are actively like, I don't want to say, it's not the word stifling, but you're actively restricting that path Mm -hmm. and that ambition because you don't want to take advantage of the people who work for you because you know they won't say no. That's, That's so neat to see on somebody's palm and then they match that up with something that's going on in your life. Uh, So that, I mean, for me, that totally explains why that one particular fate line stops cold at your headline. You are consciously making an effort to restrict that ambition so that you don't overextend the people around you who, again, you would essentially be taking advantage because they they wouldn't be able to say no to you we can't say no to you. So I, uh, I completely understand why, why that would be the case. Uh, and, and also kudos to you for understanding that. I, I just, I, I appreciate hearing somebody voice that kind of logic, uh, especially for people who work for them. That's nice to hear. Yeah. I, I, I believe in looking out for the people who look out for me. And here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take a break. That, yeah, it's what I yeah, said. Yeah. Woke you will will continue. We still have people asking for the list. Well, people are still getting hired. We're putting on events, all of that. But there's sometimes when you have to go, okay, uh, I'm going to put the people who run the organization above the organization. Cool. That's, I That's love it. Huge. It is unconventional. I mean, in the climate of today's workplace there has well, been literally you know. nothing about miss meeting miss bedford today that has been conventional not a darn thing amen uh all right all right uh, i'll move on then to your headline uh your headline again is the one for you that starts above your lifeline uh between your thumb and index finger and continues across your palm it's the the lower of the two sort of horizontal lines on your palm uh your line is uh, deeply cut uh, what I, it, it sort of doesn't matter that it, it has a downward angle. All the lines in your palm seem to just have a little bit of a pivot to them. That's not really a thing that I would worry about or even really need to interpret. Um, the length of your headline is, I would say, fairly enormous. Uh, it almost crosses entirely across your palm. Uh, the length of the headline would... So the headline is about how you take in information and uh, about decision-making and things like that. Uh, A long headline like yours would imply that you are perhaps a little pig-headed when it comes to 
making decisions. Uh, that is to say, when you've locked your mind into a goal or an idea, you are the type of person who will make it happen. Like through sheer mental willpower, you will make those things happen. Um, and it's Obviously. probably very difficult to, I don't want to say it's difficult to change your mind. It's someone has to work to earn you to change your mind. They have to put in the facts and the data and, you know, they, they have to convince you, but it's again, not out of ego. Although I did call you pig headed and that's fun for me. Uh, yeah, it, there's it nicer is, ways to say this. Uh, sure. Like, I don't know, stubborn, I guess. How about determined or tenacious <laughs> or effective? Uh, yeah, I, I guess those words no, will work. No, I'm pig headed. Uh, no, I'm, 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 I, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I am. Like, I, look, I, again, that being, being self-aware, yeah. I know my fault. I know, I know, I know my fault. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can, can't say I can it's see. a fault for you because you're, you're getting shit done because of the way you are. The, the palm reading advice would be that uh, much like I warned earlier that be careful that you're spending too much energy on goal related things and not like your own happiness, whatever we, we, we address that. The advice for this kind of a headline would be if you are, turning people off from you because you're so headstrong because you're so determined. And obviously you're telling people things they probably don't want to hear. Uh, if you keep running into problems because of that, it would be something you'd have to address. You have to be aware that uh, it is scary to run into somebody like you who is so determined, confident, smart, and knows what the hell they're doing. Capable. Capable. capable you have, yeah, you might have to like kind of reconfigure. Uh, you'd have to adjust to realize that people are super intimidated by that and, and that it may in fact be detrimental to you to that. I'm, I am not saying that that's how you are, but that would be the advice I would be telling you, which I am telling you right now, <laughs> is that if you run into if you're butting heads with people that you need or, or that you need something from them, this would be the thing to look out for. Be careful. You're uh, very intimidating for people who are insecure or not as capable as you or don't want to be told the hard facts about a situation. You may need to adjust how you approach that more often than you think. Nah, she's good. Uh, ah, right. there, there. No, there are actually two two schools of thought when when it comes to that. Okay. Um. Yeah, you're probably right. And um, fuck it. No. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I get. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I get it. Okay. Yeah. I. But but I have a very very specific reason for it. It's it really is not out of ego. It is the fact. Right. That I would his, agree. Yeah. History has told us. The change only happens in the uncomfortable. So when I am challenging people on facts, right? In the state of California, when a company is run by a woman of color, profits go up by as much as 30%. Did you know that we're the only ones who don't need a DEIA? Did you know that employees are happier? The more diverse company is, it's women of color. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just, it just is that 
when when I start with those kind of facts, they make the status quo real uncomfortable, uh, right? I can imagine because that. they realize within Hollywood that they that white trumps green, right? And I mean that in every single like I'm very specific. Mm-hmm. White trumps green. Those types of things make people extremely uncomfortable. And what people are like, but I feel, I feel, I feel. I'm like, fuck your feelings. Yeah. But fuck, no, but here's the thing. Fuck mine too. I only deal in statistics. I only deal in data. That makes people very uncomfortable because people are so used to centering themselves. Whiteness is centered. uh, Being this gender, you know, patriarchy, all, all of those types of things. And I don't call it out regarding people's feelings because I, that that's not, but I, again, again, my mother was a statistician. She would say, Cheryl, you don't know what's in the hearts and minds of people. Don't eat. Actually, what she said is an activist where Cheryl, you don't know what's in the hearts and minds of white people. Don't even try. But what you can do is break things down to the lowest common denominator. And what that lets them know is, you know, in other words, what we call today, you can't gaslight me. You can't say to me, black films don't sell overseas. Mm -hmm. You can't like all, all of this stuff, all of the tropes that we have heard, which don't statistically hold, right? So it's that. I make people very uncomfortable because I challenge how they feel. And here's what I tell people. I am my most comfortable when I am uncomfortable because it means that I'm learning some new shit. So you're going to be all right. Like the world isn't going to fall apart just because you feel uncomfortable. But here's what comes out of that is the fact that now you know more information. Now you can actually work to be a better person, to dismantle all of the isms, racism, sexism, ageism, age, uh, colorism, sizeism, uh, fat phobia, uh, 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 homophobia. You can dismantle those things within yourself it's just people don't want to because it makes them feel uncomfortable it's we have work to... right and yeah. people don't want to do that <laughs> yeah yeah just, here's I, the thing yeah. just get comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah like just get comfortable with being uncomfortable and and just live in that space because sure. here's the thing it's a great space to live in it really is i don't ask anybody to do the work that i have not done right like and i talked about Teresa Jacino earlier so there there are when when we were challenged with having non-binary we have non-binary female born but we also have non-binary uh male born like all of those things that had to challenge me my way of thinking i grew up black catholic uh uh originally republican like like all of those things my journey with lgbtqia plus and Teresa and i talked about it on Twitter, you can go back and you can see. And I was like, girls, you had so much patience with me. And she said, because I knew that you wanted to do better. Right. Yeah. Like I talk about no. that. I don't ask anybody to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. So that that thing, it's like, yes, I probably and I have had people say, you know, Cheryl, you could probably be a lot further ahead. But here's the thing. History has taught me, no, you won't. You can go along to get along, 
You can talk about respectability politics. You can wrap that all up. But in the end, so I, I'm not looking for the here and now. I, I, I'm looking. I, I'm looking way beyond that. that because that, your mother told you to make it better for the next generation. Right. So playing yeah. respectability politics yeah. with somebody, yeah. it's like the fact that I curse all the time. But here's what <laughs> I have told people before. Uh-huh. Um, when I went to New York University from 1984 to 1980, 1988, it was the number one film school in the country. When I went to the American Film Institute from 1990 to 1993 and got my Master of Fine Arts, it was the number one film school in the country today, right now. Mm -hmm. NYU is number one. The American Film Institute is number two. When I graduated from the American Film Institute, there were less than 200 people in the entire world with a master's degree from the American Film Institute, let alone had gone to one of the other big, you know, big film schools, right? Like, a lot of times I was the only Black person in my class. Um, What? So here's the thing. I understand my self-worth. And when I graduated, because that was pre-internet, like before all of that, so they got, you can see, my name is Cheryl Beckford. And on it, it said I had a BFA from NYU and an MFA from AFI. Nobody ever expected this black face to walk in, let alone this dark-skinned black face, because colorism is a thing within our industry. And all of those people would tell me Right. I would walk in for an interview and they would hand me one of those diversity forms. And I watched my white counterparts just get the jobs. Right. And they would hand me that. And I ripped that shit the fuck up. And I swore to myself if I could ever change this industry. Mm-hmm. And now 30 years later, and here's the funniest thing. Do you, I see those same people, some of those people who wouldn't give me a job. Oh, yeah. And I have to deal with them now. Oh, now I just say, how do you fucking like me now? Because when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, (laughs) accessibility, and belonging in this, in this industry, woke you as a leader. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, getting my interpretation, uh, yeah, I I mean, we see it. Uh, You acknowledge it. And, I acknowledge it. Uh, yeah, r- right. And so that's that's about as far as we can go with like that kind of interpretation. Uh, my my only hedge, uh, just just so that we all remember, is that it, it, only if it was like a problem for you, but it, it doesn't appear to be a problem for you. In that you, I mean, you just said you you don't care if it's a problem for other people. You right. have your uh, you're going to stick to it, regardless of their being uncomfortable or not. Uh, so, so I'm saying like, ipso facto, it's not a problem for you. Uh, you already acknowledged it. So, okay. So, so that's what's going on with your headline. One other thing, I guess a small thing for your headline at the very end of the headline, I usually look for a little fork or like a snake tongue pattern, a little V if you will. You don't, you don't have that at all, uh, which would just imply that symbol uh, is supposed to represent in decision making that you check in equally <laughs> with your guts or your emotions. I can't imagine why she doesn't have that. <laughs> My goodness. And it, so it would just suggest that you, in decision making, you rely heavily on one thing or another, whether it's an intellectual factor or like an emotional gut check kind of a thing. Um, 
I, I mean, you were describing going through decisions and, and like taking in information and how you reacted to it. And it, it still, it seems to me like you are in fact doing a balanced decision making mm-hmm. process, but that decision making process is reliant heavily on your intellect. It is reliant heavily on what you think, what you know, mm-hmm. what you know the facts are, that sort of a thing. Again, this isn't really a problem. It's just something I'm noticing on your palm. Uh, if you weren't you, um, the advice would be that you'd have to try to check in with your gut more. That I'm, I'm not saying that that's advice for you at all. I think you have that process worked out to a T just from listening to you now. Uh, so that's not a thing for you, but it's, you know, whatever. I, I just like to say, I, want, I like to be thorough. Uh, you, you don't have that line. And so I, I think that's also interesting. It's really on, on par with your enormous uh, headline that crosses almost all the way across your palm. Uh, what did we say was a good good word, Portland? Determined? Is that <laughs> determined, effective, tenacious? Uh, oh, okay. Extraordinary. Right, I'll, I'll try to write those down. Uh, yeah, cross pig at it off your damn list. Would you please? I uh, sure. Sure. So, <laughs> so the final line, the final line we read on your palm is your heart line, which is that top horizontal line. Um, that starts underneath your pinky and goes in the other direction uh, towards your index finger. I like to point out sort of the poetry of palm reading and how this is done on everyone's palms. You'll notice right now your heart line starts underneath your pinky, heads towards your index finger. Your headline starts underneath your index finger and heads towards your pinky. So those lines are forever in opposition. They're always going in the opposite direction of each other. Your fate line starts at the bottom of your palm at your wrist and goes up. Your lifeline starts uh, near the top of your hand and goes down. Again, your fate and your lifeline are forever in opposition I like to point out that's just because like your head and your heart will like poetically be in disagreement all the time. Your ambition will always be at odds with your quality of life, your happiness. And that's just, you know, I like to point it Not out. Not Cheryl. No, I, I mean, I'm surprised now talking with you, Cheryl, that you just don't have one continuous like Uber line across your palm and everything but is I just do. lined up. And, Re- uh... No, but I do. Remember I said I have something very interesting on my left hand? Oh, yeah. No, hand, you do have it. You have your head and your heart oh, line overlapping. Yeah. Wow. Yes. You guys, if you can't, I, I know, I know wow. our, our listeners can't hear this, but her left hand, the lines on her left hand, actually spell out the word "badass." <laughs> <laughs> so it's, remember, I said yeah, something very, yes. very interesting. I have never met anyone else where the lines actually see. Yeah, wow! Look at that. So now it's, it's like it's like Quitla and Cheryl just put their hands together yeah. and it's like and we just, yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> Cheryl, so I that's too, the I've yeah, never, that's... I've also never met somebody who, so both of us, it's on our left hand, right? Yep. The singular Uber line <laughs> that we're yep. describing. Uh, I also have never met somebody who had that, that particular grouping mm-hmm. of lines like we have. 
Uh, we are truly special, and I will end it here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, My mind okay, is so blown that you two are separated at birth, evidently. <laughs> so that's interesting that we would, you know, I would say I would expect to see that on your palm. You, in fact, do have it. It's just on our left hand. That all, uh, I mean, I have it too, and it, it's a, it's a whole other thing when it's on the non-dominant hand. Uh, for example, some schools of palm reading read your dominant hand is what is and the other hand is what is like meant to be or what you're trying to aspire to the ghost of christmas yet to come yes yes <laughs> exactly so i i just i generally don't read that uh, cuz it hasn't been super successful for everybody but then there's us so we yeah oh unreal so that like it it and oh, it's so yes i see it it is so clear <laughs> Yeah, it's, and it's that's what someone took a sharpie and just meticulously mm-hmm. drew a straight ass yeah, line yeah, across yeah. the palm of your it's, left hand. Yeah, oh. yeah, and I had heard that before that this is what is, this is what oh, would be. Okay, yeah. like I, I yeah. when you asked me if I'd ever had palm reading before, yes, because every single time somebody looks at this, I have freaked people. Yeah, out. oh, I imagine they'd shit their pants when they see it. Yeah, if I were a palm reader. <laughs> And that yeah. was my style. Yeah, I would like kick I my chair away and be like, get out. <laughs> yeah. "You can just get out of my tent right now." Yeah, I can imagine. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I it, believe it, it. It freaks it freaks people out there because they've never seen anything like it yeah. before. So I'm always like, "Yeah, here's this hand." Can you tell? And I remember and the first time I was like, "Can you tell me <laughs> what this means?" And they're like, "I don't know what it means, but you kind of freaky. Could yeah. you leave? Could yeah. you get? Could you get the fuck out?" Yeah, could this you, palm reading you... is over. <laughs> yes, I, I so believe I have, it. I have had that. So I am so nice. It's so nice to meet someone yeah, who yeah. is yeah. And we're just gonna have to talk about it one day. Like, yeah, okay. So you coming to my birthday party on the twenty <laughs> Portland, you coming yeah, too? Because yeah. we gotta sit around. And right, you, you right. I just gotta. I'll, I'll bring my my normal, normal, average person hands. <laughs> that I am not extraordinary like you guys. But may man alive, wow. that listen. I feel like we gotta take a little break right here, okay. so I can compose myself. Okay. Just one second. Gee whiz. Okay, so that was out of control, Cheryl. I feel like you taught us all about you. We're supposed to be teaching you about your past and your present and your future and your 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 ghost of Christmas yet to come. But holy cats, did we actually tell you anything that you didn't know? Because was there anything have... close to? Yeah, that I didn't have to backpedal and be like, okay, you're right. <laughs> You, my dear, listen, no, wait, I'm not, I know I asked you a question, but I'm not actually ready for you to speak. You are, (laughs) just hold it. You are the most incredible woman I have ever had the pleasure of listening to. I just want to listen to the Cheryl Bedford podcast, or you could just come over and just talk while you're doing my laundry. That's another option. (laughs) I just want to put that out there. Uh, You're incredible, my dear. Truly, truly. Uh, Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I, no, and I say it like that because um, it, it, it all, it all. Okay, remember, I picked her. Yeah, I knew she was yeah. the right mother for me. I knew that whoever I was going to be, that the person, like I picked her, and so I, I do give all of the credit. Um. And I tell people this all the time. 
even when life is really hard, even when I'm struggling to keep me and woke you, solvent and above ground, blah, 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 blah. I have always felt like I was born under a lucky star. Like I, that, the best decision I ever made was the first decision I ever made. And so there is this, and I'll, and I'll tell you, it's just like, I don't, I don't know why, like, I don't, whatever in the stars and fates and, 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 and whatever else, but you know, and, and growing up because we talk about colorism and sizeism, right. And the weight that I lost and I was a fat kid. No, not Um, eliminated. My, my mother um, I was a child model for Lane Bryant. Oh, wow. yeah. No. So here's what I tell people is the best, one of the best things my mother ever did. So as I was growing up and people were like, because people love to say you're fat in this nasty way, even though it's just a descriptor or whatever, mm-hmm. or make comments about, especially as a woman, people make comments about your weight. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. And then even when people were like, oh, you're really pretty. I'm like, mm-hmm. they're like, you can't take a compliment. I was like, if one thing doesn't tear me down, huh. one thing does not build me up. Oh, that is huge. Wow. So I've always told people, to say I, that. I have a scale. I know I'm fat. I have a mirror. I know I'm pretty. And my self-confidence has absolutely nothing to do with what I look it's like. It's not and derived woman, from your, in yeah. the United States, And as a woman in walking this planet, that's a lie. Like, and I don't, like, and you can tell me I'm, I like compliments and these are kind of compliments I get. I love that dress. I love those earrings, the hairstyle, yeah. because I understand what women, and even men, well, like you, like if you pass a guy and you, he smells, ooh, I like that cologne, right? Oh, like, oh. I know those are the things that people, I don't tend to say you're pretty, you're handsome, anything like that. Like that, that's, it's, it's the work that people put in to an outfit or to make themselves attractive or whatever, because being attractive is completely and utterly it's it, out of it's, your control. Yeah. It's subjective. Mm. Like it, who, who cares? So I, but I have had men be like, you're really pretty. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, well, I just gave you a compliment. And I have had to explain it to them because you're like, oh, you're a stuck up bitch. You're so, and I'm like, no, because if somebody calls me fat or makes, or says you're an elephant, you you know, all of the derogatory things that people have said to me over my lifetime about my weight. I'm like, "Mm -hmm, that's nice. It's based on the same thing. Right. It affects affects me not but if one doesn't affect me and the world has told me you shouldn't let something like that bother you let it roll off your back so forth and so on what people fail to realize is that then means a compliment does nothing for me either like it doesn't it doesn't have to do with my self-esteem what it does is when somebody's like like this dress i have on I, i had it on the other day and someone was like you look, oh, that's a really pretty dress. I was like, thank you. Because I took the time to find something that, I, you know, that, that makes me feel good. But just that generic, oh, you're pretty or what? Because it's like commenting on my weight. Okay. And yeah, but I'm talking about your brain and your heart and the light that is like shooting out of you all over the place. <laughs> I, I don't know how Quitla does it. I, I truly do not. After all these years together, I don't know how he does it. And it, the two of you are an incredible team, truly, listening to, oh, I don't know, those wacky hands of yours. <laughs> oh, 
the, but listening to the two of you play off of each other and understand yourself so clearly, Cheryl, what a pleasure, what a privilege for all of us to get Same. to listen to it. Thank you Thank so you much, Cheryl. So much. Thank you. I mean, you, you oh, talk about so much fun. You I talk about so transparency and you talk about transparency, but my gosh, your palm just told your story loud and clear. And it, what a delightful story it is. Honest to goodness. I am moved. Um, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much. It, it has been so much fun. Um, and here, here's my advice to people. Let it all flow through you. Let, let your story be told uh, in I your hand. It in your DNA, in your eyes, in your smile. Um, I think that we are afraid to be vulnerable, right? Like yeah, I think, oh yeah. sure. and, and here's the thing. I, I'll tell you, the, when my mother passed away, I actually had to leave the room and come back because I knew that she was always afraid. She said, you were so vulnerable. You were so open. And, and I'm afraid that the world is going to hurt you. And I told her, and when she would not let go, she had told me that throughout my entire life. And when she would not let go, I told her, I'm going to be okay because I am Joan Teresa Curtis's daughter. I'm not, I don't let the way that other people treat me affect Mm -hmm. the way that I treat people ever. And cause so if you want to hurt me, call me names, do whatever, you know what? That's on you. That's yes. between you and your conscience and your God and so forth and so on. I'm not going to let that change who I am. And that's what I meant by, I am Joan Teresa Curtis's daughter. That's extraordinary. Like, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. I love it. I do love that. Cheryl, yeah. Cheryl, thank you so much. We will. Of course, see you uh, on Monday by the pool. Is that is that how that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Monday, we'll, Monday we'll, the twenty. We'll see you there. You yeah. think I'm kidding? You guys think I'm kidding? I'm going to give you an invite. Y'all can come by if y'all want. We will be there from about eleven a.m. till about seven p.m. It's you know it's going to get hot again. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, yeah. I, I saw that like the Friday or the the Friday before that that because that's all my phone goes to uh it's gonna be 91 i'm like oh this is gonna be a great time to be by the pool so we're gonna be by the pool and um, i have a feeling that producer rob will still be on jury duty at that point so yeah, it's just you absolutely. and me Quila. yeah nice the way it's meant to be yeah. <laughs> so so come and bring your bathing suit i'm gonna be in mine nice. um, hey, lay, by, lay by the hey. pool and we're gonna have cocktails cheryl thank you all again day. so much thank you for being you you're uh you're a lot and i loved it Thanks a lot. Quitla, good job, man. Thank you. Thank keep you. your keep your weird left hand to yourself. Uh, okay, I can't. It's yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's there unstoppable. It our our <laughs> line. <laughs> you guys are the worst. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hollywood Palms. Please rate and review the show with five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. And if you didn't like the show, you could just keep that to yourself. If you want to know more, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash Hollywood Palms. Subscribe to the various tiers to hear exclusive episodes and learn about other premium options, including getting a personal reading by Quitla. You know, I might be there if you want me to be. And I won't be if you don't. Hollywood Palms is produced by Rob Beals. Our logo designed by the talented David Polston. Music by the delightful Miguel Garcia-Hull. Hollywood Palms is a Genius Royale production.